Today's podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Log on today to bet on your favorite games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, basically any esport you can come up with for the chance to win awesome prizes like the Logitech G633 headset that I'm using right now. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief and analyst for Imperial Esports. And welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts Guess the Lines podcast presented to you by Unicorn. It is week nine. We're here. It is the end of the split. We have ten games that need to be covered. And instead of focusing on any individual teams, we're just going to get straight into it. We've got it down into five groups of teams that and games that are really interesting to us that we cannot wait to break down for you guys. And of course, when I say us, I am referring to myself and my co-host, Walter Ciades Fedchuk, writer for Slingshot Esports. Walter, how are you doing, man? I am doing pretty well. I uh, was looking at these games and man, there's, there's some interesting things here. Not a lot of money to be had, but uh, there, there are definitely some interesting games here, I got to say. Yeah. I, I think the number of games in which we can look for value is going to be quite small. But the number of games that I'm interested in seeing is actually also quite small. I, I don't know. It, it feels like they really front-loaded the schedule this year for whatever reason. There are, there are very few games that individually mean a lot. But given how close everyone is in the standings, I feel like all of them matter just a little bit. Like anything that goes against the grain has massive ramifications across the board. What are you most looking forward to about this week, Walter, before we start getting into each individual game? So so pretty much every single one of these games actually does have some sort of impact on, on what the placings will come out to. Uh which is nice. That that's not always the case. I you know, sometimes things are locked up pretty nicely uh, in past years, and it's nice that every game has some sort of impact on the standings. I'm really, really excited to see this 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 fight for the top spot, because I, I think that the number one seed is, is always really important in anything, but I think it's just that much more important right now, because if you're one of the top three teams in Vitality, G2, and, and H2K you really don't want to have to fight one of the other two in that semifinal match. If you can avoid them, you're probably going to be pretty happy. Right. There are kind of three positions that matter quite a bit. The difference between the two seed and the three seed is huge because you get that bye, uh, which is just one less week of having to show who it is, that you know what your strategies are, what you plan on bringing to the playoffs. The difference between the one and the two seed is huge because it means that you don't have to play the other two members of the triumvirate, as we can kind of call it at this point, until the finals, which is a massive bonus. The difference between the five and the six seed is huge, because whichever one of them can get to the five seed, that means you don't have to play Vitality, H2K, or G2 in the first round, which means you can actually get to the semifinals and have a good shot at getting some of the circuit points that can help you in the summer. And then, of course, there's the battle for the seventh seed and just not having to play in relegation matches. And all of these things are on the line. 
I did some playing around with the tiebreaker machine on LOL Esports, and there is a situation where every single team would have to play tiebreaker games at the end of this. Because you could have a three-way tie for first, a three-way tie for fourth, uh, a tie for seventh, and a tie for ninth. It's in play. It's nearly oh impossible. Please like, no. Every Please game no. has to break a specific way, but it is technically possible. That'd be a really long, really long Friday. <laughs> Even not being in Europe, like that'd be a really, really long Friday. I, I don't want to see that. I have no idea how they'd do it. The casters would have been casting for like 30 hours in a row. Because God knows one of those three-way tiebreakers would end up needing a second tiebreaker. Because they all go one and one against each other. It just... I, it would be a mess. It would be the worst thing ever. But it's not, that's not going to happen. There are some games, though, that are going to happen. And we start with the first section of games, which we have decided to describe as almost entirely meaningless. Uh, first up is Giants versus Origin. If Giants win, they put themselves in a much better position to just straight up take the nine seed, which means that they would get automatically through to the double elimination part of relegations rather than having to play for their spot into that. On the other hand, for Origin, losing this game means taking a risk that they will fall into that dreaded six-seed spot. That said, Walter, what are the odds that either of those things actually come to pass in this matchup, given what we know about these two teams? Well... The difference is, and there were, there were roster changes that happened in the worst teams in both regions last week. And while Renegades was actually semi-successful and even took a game off of Team Solo Mid, Giants were not very successful. They were a little plucky at the start of their games, but both of them were on under 25-minute stomps in the end from Fnatic and G2 Esports. And it was mostly around around Pepe who who had the most problems on on this Azir and this this Victor pick. So odds are very very low that anything does happen. Wisdom and, and Sonstar were just not very impactful. I think Smitty J actually played the best out of the three new players, even given the fact that he had so many problems against Gamsu with the Fiora, but. When Smitty J is the best of the three roster changes you've had, I, I, I'm sorry, but you've still got some issues. And it's around Pepe is just ter- is just fallen off so tremendously from last summer. And in my opinion, they benched their best player in Audra this split. That's the thing about Giants right now. If they were going to have any chance of succeeding, it would have to be through Pepe being the kind of guy that he was when the team was successful. And he's just not right now. I don't think that the peel for their AD carry has gotten any better. I just don't think Godfrey is that guy. So whether it's Audrey or Sonestar, they're both getting cut out and dying quite a bit. At least Audrey was doing a little bit more on his way out, maybe. But I don't think it fixes the problem in either way. I don't think Wisdom is some amazing playmaker. So the only hope I see for Giants gaming against Origin is if Smitty J channels that game he had against CLG back in week two, where they just attacked the split push because Smitty J has shown that he can do that. Unfortunately for them right now, Soaz just showed last week that apparently as long as you give him Fiora, it doesn't matter how badly you cripple him in the early game. That percent max health damage just means that all the tanks are going to crumble no matter what. 
And I don't think Smitty J alone is going to be enough to turn that tide. Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? Yeah, Giants, I don't think they stand much of the chance. I have Origin at minus 500. Okay, you get this one. I went too low. I said minus 400. It is minus 526, which I guess is fair because Giants are not good at League of Legends. That is very fair. And you are building on a very, very precarious position here because I did the same thing I did on the NA podcast. I went high this week. That's true, but I also, I think, adjusted to last week. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Next up, Elements versus Fnatic. Elements, not much they can play for here. Obviously, a win does a very good job of cementing the seven seed. If they don't get any wins this week, then they run the risk of having to play Splice in a tiebreaker, just you know, which can always make things a little bit complicated. Plus, if they lose both their games, and Splice loses both their games, and Rockat wins both their games, the nine seed is still at risk. So obviously, Elements would just love to wrap up a win here and call it a day. Fnatic, on the other hand, a loss here puts them in serious danger of running into that six seed problem that we discussed earlier, whereas a win puts them ever closer to that four seed. What do you think is going to be the biggest difference maker between those two teams? Biggest difference maker? Honestly, I think it's going to come down to Spirit. Spirit has been, the last week had a tremendous impact in, in both games they played. Granted, the level of competition in the game against Giants was lacking. But even against Vitality, it really felt like Spirit was having an impact on the early game. Mm-hmm. And it just came down to some late game positioning mistakes, and and again just peeling correctly for the AD carry, and, and just getting out, caught out of position that really lost in that game, and it's something that Vitality really succeeds in in, in that you know overarching mac- macro strategy. Gillis, on the other hand, has been kind of touch and go. He's really needed the Lee Sin to have any sort of strong impact on games, um, and even his Lee Sin is not very nuanced it it still has a lot of it's not very nuanced it's not a lot of like flash kicks or a lot of really like difficult ward hops over walls it's all very very simple stuff i say this as a gold player that if gilius was to duel me he would absolutely crush me so i think that's what it's going to come down to because spirit has really taken a liking to that leeson in in the last couple of weeks so it'll be interesting if if Elements does win this game, it's because they followed the same pattern that they followed all year. Rawls and Steve get ahead of their lane opponents, which is sort of possible. And Ika and Gilius and Spraddle just kind of supplement them, just kind of try not to die, kind of play utility around them. That being said, I, I don't think it's very likely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is either. And the Spirit Point's a great one. He's been in the OP5 two weeks in a row now. And there's a big reason for that. He has been a much more mobile playmaker over the last couple of weeks. And this is the guy we kind of expected to come from Fnatic when they originally signed him. And it didn't really seem like it hit its fruition until IEM Katowice. And now they've just got this style to them that requires a huge mechanical precision to counter. I mean, the Jin plus poke mid laner is just such a strong combination of things. And we saw Vitality beat it because they were just able to squeeze it out, get to the late game, get a a Baron that could have gone either way, and end up taking it from there. But Elements, the number of things that would have to go right 
for elements to be able to pull that off and defend that composition successfully is very concerning to me. And if they do try to play this straight up, awesome. You have Forbiven going into Ica. You have Reckless going into Mr. Rales. You have Spirit going into Gilius. I just don't see how that's the game that Elements wants to play either. Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? I have the line Fnatic minus 300. Okay, you and I split this one because I said exactly the same thing. We were both severely off. It's minus 455 for Fnatic. Uh, That's pretty fair still. I mean, that's Elements plus 300? Elements did did beat uh, Unicorns of Love last week, which was a pretty strong showing. Um... I, I mean, of the like the bottom tier teams, and we're we're gonna get into a little bit of a, a run at a point when we get to the top three teams and who they play against. I mean, out of Splice, Elements, and Rocket, who is more likely to take a game off of a, a, an upper tier team? I would say it's probably Elements. So mm-hmm. there could be some value here. Very well, could be there could be, but at the same time, it's hard to see just because of the individual matchups that Fnatic has. And the way the Fnatic has been playing as a team unit recently, it just seems like Elements is a poor matchup for them. I would like a Splice or a Rocket that at least has a mid laner that can keep up with Fabiven. I would feel better about that. I don't think Ika can be that guy. That That is very fair. That's very fair. But let's move on to a game that probably only matters to me and the five people that are still Giants fans. It's the battle for the nine seed. Our second category. This is the battle for the ninth seed. They're, if Giants win this, they automatically get the spot because Giants were able to beat Rocket back in week five. Which, as we said, there's a big difference between being into the double elimination part of things or having to battle for your right to even battle for your right to stay in. But if Rocket wins, they just they clinch the ninth seed. They don't have to worry about that anymore. And they can still somehow pray that they get past Vitality on day one and make an interesting play for the seventh seed. That being said, doesn't it feel like Betsy versus X Pepe is a big enough difference that Rocket should be feeling pretty comfortable right now? I, I think so. I think the changes that, that were made on giants did not help them very much. If anything, I could see an off chance of Smitty J beating Freddie. And that says more about Freddy than it does Smitty J. But I just think across the board, Rocket is better. They're more cohesive. They all speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's Giants have put themselves into a position where I, it's very unlikely that they can win this game. Let's not forget, Giants did beat Rocket with that old roster. And a lot of it had to do with Adre and Pepe both playing very well. And I don't think Sonstar is going to be comfortable with Godfred to the level that, that Andre was. I, I'm just not sure that the changes are any sort of improvement, and, and definitely not in only you know two or three weeks' time. So I, I think Rocket is pretty handedly the favorite here. Here's where, as a Rocket fan, let me play Doomsayer, because I just expect the worst at this point. We're 3-13. and 13. The way we lost that game to origin was just heartbreaking. I I don't know how we keep getting so close and then screwing up. But that's kind of the argument I have as to how Giants Gaming could somehow pull this off if they just survive the early to mid game from Rocket, which we know is good. It's been the best thing about them. Airwalks only knows how to play the first 10 to 15 minutes of a game. Tabs and 
Noxiac are better at making plays early than they are late at this point. At least that's kind of the way that Rocket's been gearing their champion select to a certain extent. If you can get past that, maybe that's enough for Giants. Maybe Sunstar and Godfred can start coming through. Maybe Wisdom, you know, he tends to play champions that do a little bit better as the game goes on. That wouldn't be something that would shock me. I think Smitty J can absolutely outplay Freddy 1-2-2, especially if you give him something like a Fiora that could just hard carry late. I don't think it's out of reason. I don't think it's likely necessarily. But at the same time, if you told me that it did go down, I'm not going to pretend to be shocked by it. Like, Rockat at this point can beat or lose to anybody the way that they play. <laughs> true. Outside That's of the top true. three. Like, they, they're going to get it's crushed by top three teams. Anyone else, they will make it look great and then break your heart. Or they'll somehow pull it out and you'll just be like, what the heck is happening? How is any of this real life? And it is a roller coaster and... I'm sure I'm going to have heart problems going forward as a result. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Because I got this one almost exactly. Uh, I have Rockat at minus 150. Okay, I get this one. Okay. I said minus 180. It is minus 179, which I think is entirely reasonable. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, 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 I'd say it's, that's pretty fair. Yeah. That's pretty fair. Anything 200 or more would have been disrespectful to Rockat's ability to throw a game. Which, you know, you have to keep that in mind when you're making any rock ad line. I think that this is absolutely where it should be. Now let's get into the next section. It's the taking care of business section. These are four games that should be blowouts. On paper, these are absolute pieces of cake for the teams involved. All of them involve Vitality, G2, or H2K. All of these, however, are basically must-wins. Because if you drop any of these games then you start leaving room for the rest of the guys in your group to start making leaps over you. Sorry, and no. I would say I would say Vitality's two games are a bit more important because they are one game behind G2 and H2K. So they really need to win these two games and hope that one of the, you know, those other two guys lose a game uh, to to even force a tiebreaker because right now Vitality is sitting in that th- that 3 spot and they're a game behind. Yeah. And that's that's pretty that's pretty pretty big. It would be a tough place for them to go. Luckily, their first game is against Rocket, who we just talked about. You know, I said they could keep them, themselves close against any team, but a top three team. So you already know how I feel about this. I mean, is it as simple as saying that Vitality is just going to choke them out because Vitality knows how to play the late game and Rocket doesn't? Like, I don't know what else to say analysis-wise on this. It seems so obvious to me on paper. Right, but on paper, Rockhead is 1-0 against them. So, <laughs> I, I mean, we're, we're one Edward Tarrant game, and, you know, That's, who knows? Anything can happen. That's I, true. I, I, I forgot think... that was the first week of the season. Yeah. Oh, man. Tarek, Edward Tarrant, game one. And how fitting is it that 
if Rocket somehow pulled up some sort of upset here, they kind of tank Vitality shot at the at the number one seed. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Vitality has gotten that much better over time, and they've shown over the past couple of weeks with Cabo Shard that they aren't the European version of CLG where Cabo Shard has to go on these split pushers. They can't put him on Lulu. They can't put him on tanks. He can't play these things. Uh, granted, it's small sample size, and when he was playing them on Gambit last year, Gambit did struggle quite a bit. I want to see if they continue on this sort of trend of putting him on more utility tank focused kind of picks and allow Nuke Duck and Harnan to be the carries, or if they're going to just kind of say, yeah, we can play those, but we're going to shift back to our primary style. You know, that being said, these, these games are extremely important vitality for vitality, and they really can't, you know, they can't look their way past anyone. They, they can't say, oh, yeah, you know, luck is going to be on our side and we're going to force this tiebreaker. They do need to take care of business because out of the three of the triumphant, they have the easiest schedule playing against Rockat and Splice. Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think when you look at, you know, the top lane matchup, I imagine it like it's a boxing game. Like in this corner with one MVP of the week back in week five and three OP5 nominations, it's Cabochard. And in the other corner, with none of any of this, widely known as a the guy that can be walked over entirely, the glass Joe of top laners, it's Freddy122. Like, that's, that's when I just turn off the, the stream. Like, wh- why do I need to watch this? Like, what? Hey. What's the, what is the point? What do I so, possibly gain from this mentally? So I, I, I'm going to make a wrestling metaphor here, okay? And okay. everyone knows wrestling is fake. WWE is what the fakest thing about? on the planet. It's, it's clearly it's fake. It's fake. But there are <laughs> there are guys. There are jobbers. It's their title. They're guys that just lose. That's their job. They just lose. And in my reintroduction back into WWE, one of the more infamous jobbers was a Italian caricature known as Santino Morella. Mm-hmm. And Santino Morello, eventually. At one point before he disappeared, and I haven't seen him since, at one point actually held the United States Championship. So there is a chance that one of these glass Joes, as you call Freddy, there is a chance that every once in a while the writers write a nice little subplot in for them that they win. So there is the tiniest of chances that we get the Freddy 1-2-2 of old, and he comes out and he surprises us, and Rocket totally tanks Vitality's chances, and then lose to Giants Gaming the next day. And that's just it. The only thing <laughs> that would make this all work is just the cosmic hilarity there. But at the same time, that would be enough to to get Rock at the nine seed. And Freddy One Two Two already got his chance at the end of season four. So I don't think the gods of League of Legends will be so kind. Let's see how kind the casinos were. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have Vitality at minus six sixty seven. Okay, you and I split this one, because that's exactly what I said. And it is minus 833. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's, seems yeah. seems entirely <laughs> okay. reasonable. Yeah, I, I'm i not betting on Rocket in this game. Are you kidding me? No. Let's, Are you uh, sure? We almost called two back-to-back Immortals losses. We did, which was really weird. Yeah, we called Rocket winning two weeks ago. So, but, but we didn't. We only bet on one of them, so it doesn't really count, unfortunately. Next game. Splice versus G2. Splice, obviously, still battling for that 7 seed. They'd love to not have to play in relegations. G2, battling for the 1 seed. G2 right now, you know, back-to-back 
They have had Emperor and Trick as the MVP of the week. Trick is the first one to win it twice in a split. Can Splice come up with a way to stop Trick and this rampaging G2 team right now? No. Nope, I don't think so. The only chance I see them having is if Senkuk somehow goes off and, and gets some some crazy crazy pressure in the mid lane and, and really knocks perks off his off his rocker, but no, I I don't think Splice stands a chance. I think the G two, despite being a rather new team in terms of their cohesion, are are just veteran enough that they have those wiles that they can use to kind of confuse Splice and and Trashy's had a couple good games this split, but his good games have not been countering aggression. It's been you know he's played a, the games that they won have been against weaker junglers or junglers when they're playing acting weaker or surviving an early onslaught and then you know getting a couple key picks in the mid to late game. So no, I I don't think Splice stands a chance, and I think it's because Trick's gonna run all over him. Yeah, I think Trashy got worse last week somehow. I don't know how that happened, but as the casters pointed out, there were several Trashy plays from Trashy that are concerning <laughs> Thank to you. me. Hey, Thank look, you. look, I didn't make the joke. I'm just quoting the guys who did. I just feel like, as a general rule, Splice is at this point where if any of these players are going to develop, you need to get them a coach that's going to do that. And... This can sound like I'm being harsher towards Yamato Cannon than I am, or at least that I mean to be. Some coaches are better at training new guys how to play the game. Some coaches are better at taking established talents and making something work. Yamato Cannon got Rocket to the fourth place spot last split. I, you know, congratulations. You know, they were one win away from beating Origin in that series and going to Worlds because the Unicorns of Love team was a mess at that point. So clearly he has some coaching ability, but we have not seen players come along on this team the way we thought. Senkux has taken a step back from where we thought he was going to be. Wonderware, uh, as another joke I'll steal from the casters, I wonder where Wonderware was for most of this weekend. Trashy's going down, Cobby's like, maybe he's just not a development guy. Maybe you just need someone like what Broken Shard was to this team that just helps these guys learn more and more and get to the point where they can compete. Because right now, I just I think a team that is as decisive in their shot calling as G2 is just going to plow right on over them. And I don't see that changing unless Splice really changes how they approach prepping for games and how they approach building you know, the infrastructure around these players in general. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have G2 minus 600. Okay, you get this one. I said G2 minus 500 is G2 minus 625. Completely fair. As, again, the, all of the games in the taking care of business section are going to be rather high lines because all of these should be blowouts if the teams take care of business. That's why it's... See, the <laughs> section... We, we named these things for a reason, people. I was proud of that name. Let's go to the next one. H2K versus Elements. Basically the same things at stake for the last game. Elements would also love the seventh seed. Uh, H2K would also love the one seed. These things happen if they win these kinds of games. I guess the question here is, do elements have what it takes to deal with a rejuvenated Forgiven that actually plays Sivir now, which is pretty crazy, and the lane bully that has been that Forgiven Vander bot lane? 
I mean, do we have enough in Elements' arsenal to deal with that kind of onslaught? Uh, no. Uh, much like Splice, they, they do not. Uh, they don't stand a chance, and I think both teams are going to go 0-2 this week. Um, it, it's just that where where are they supposed to win? Where is Elements supposed to win You know, 1v1 against anyone on H2K? And I, I guess maybe your only argument could be possibly in the top lane, Steve versus Odawamne, because now that Ryu's back, they've gone back to putting Odawamne more on tank utility kind of champions. But Odawamne is just a really, really good top laner, and he knows how to play all the different styles that, that are in top lane. So do they have a chance? I, everyone always has a chance to beat anyone. It's an age-old quote, but it's not very likely. I don't see an easy path to victory for them. Yeah. Three-time OP5 member Odawamne. You want to know how many times Steve has made that list? He hasn't made the list. That's the answer to that question. I, I You know, it's one of those things where... I think Steve deserves a lot of credit for growing the way that he has. He has gone from being a meme to being a player that I consider to be relevant. If you made and me meme. do my what? And meme. Oh yeah, no, he hasn't lost his meme, but now he's a relevant meme, which is different. You know, it's it's that next step in one's career, I believe. And you know, I give him credit for that. I think that that's something that you can see he's put in a lot of time. I think Mr. Rales has also grown from where they were at the end of Rocket split. And I think that's all you could really ask for those guys. Is it enough to take on Oduwamne and Forgiven? Hell no, of course not. It's it's Oduwamne and Forgiven. You still have First Blood King Yankos on the board. You still have Vander. And you have, re- like, there's no way Elements has enough tools to deal with what H2K can throw at them. But at the same time... I guess why I'm a little bit more optimistic about Elements than I am about Splice is it at least feels like the pieces for Elements that are supposed to grow are growing. Like, Ika's a bust. We kind of knew he was going to be. But Steve, Mr. Alles, these are guys that have shown improvement. Even Spraddle's shown some improvement. And and Gilius. Like, I I think you need to give Gilius some credit. He's improved. He's fine. I I don't know. I'm I'm less high on Gilius than you are. I don't... I think, I, I think he's improved. I think he's improved. I, I think he's gotten better at, at reading opposing junglers. He is he is very much shook light. Okay. <laughs> Whenever your argument is he's like a less interesting version of Shook, the conversation is ended. I no longer I, like I just don't I don't care about this jungler. Shook's being successful on a team, and if you can figure out that playstyle, I think there's always Room to be a professional. So all, I think all we need to do well. is get Gilius, Cabochard, Nuke Duck, Hyarnin, and Kazing, and he'll be great. Perfect. I, sure. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Sure. I don't think he's. I don't think he's as bad as you. You like want to make him out to be. I think he's improved, and I think you need to put him on the list of improved players. Ike has improved too, but not uh, nearly as much as anyone else. Okay, let's put it this way: uh, on the list of junglers currently playing in the EU LCS, where do you put him? Because I struggle to put him I think above eight. eight. Yeah, eight. Okay. I think eight. I put Gilius just under the Lolex and Arawaks level. Still not a great sign for Gilius. But that's enough time on Gilius. What do you think the line is on this H2K Elements game? I have H2K at minus 450. Okay, I get this one. You went way too low there. I went too low here. I said minus 600. It's minus 769. Mm. No respect for Elements. It's the highest line of the week, by the way, for people keeping track. Actually, second highest. I forgot about the Rocket Vitality line. But still, very high line this week. 
I mean, what? You want elements plus 450 against a forgiven no. that has a chance for a one no, seed? Exactly. That still, still feels a little, a little, little high, considering that elements does have five wins. Here's the thing. And you're telling me that's the second highest line? Like, that's... You, you could talk me into it until you remind me that at the time that game is played, which it is being played on day two, so after the Unicorns of Love game, that Forgiven is going to be sitting there with the one seed in his sights, just staring down elements, and you're going to realize, why in the world did I ever gamble on this? You don't think he gets like kind of tired towards the end of the split? Like, like he starts out split super, super strong. Like, really, really strong. And then it feels like he sort of fades towards the end. Like, remember, he was OP5 in the first two weeks, and then he hasn't sniffed at it recently. He had a pretty good game uh, against Rocket. He went 4-0 and 3 on that Sivir. And then the game against Splice, he was like 2-1-9. It seems like he's not getting kills it seems like at the beginning of the year he gets a ton, a ton of kills, and then it's like the rest of the players around him come into their own. He steps back away from the kills and is more of like an assist facilitating type player. Is that weird to consider that? Here's the difference, I think, right now with him, is that he's just been told that he basically has a very finite number of games that he can play before he is going to have to retire and do his service in the Greek military. That's a different kind of motivator than we've ever seen from Forgiven before. I mean, Forgiven basically knows this is his last chance to win a European split. Because if the numbers that we've heard are correct, either they'll use him in the summer until the playoffs or you know whatever it is they're going to do. But this is basically his chance. And I think right now, the fact that we even saw him play a Sivir game is a sign that he is going to do whatever it takes for H2K to win. And if that means playing a champion that he would usually never play, he'll find a way to do it. It just, to me, it seems like that's not a guy I want to better against when so much is on the line. And he's just not a guy that likes losing at the beginning or end of splits. I agree the middle of the split, I think he kind of, when the games don't mean as much and it kind of drags on a bit, um, he kind of can lose sight of things sometimes. But now that we're back, you know, there are huge playoff implications and this could be that last big ride for him. I I don't want to bet against him. I do not That's feel fair. comfortable. Doing I, I wasn't saying betting against him. I, I just thought it was kind of, it's something I've noticed now has happened. It happened when he was on Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Happened when he was on SK. Yeah, it was starting to happen on Gambit until he got banned, and then I see the same thing happening this split. Yeah, so I I just think it's weird. It's like a weird thing to see. It's not like he's playing worse. His is like his his aggression in lane is still there. It's just like his kills have dropped and are replaced by assists. I think that has as much to do with the meta right now as anything else as yeah. well. But let's move on to the last taking care of business game: Vitality versus Splice. Again, Vitality. Needs both of these games that they want any chance at the one seed. Splice desperately wants that seven seed. They have two chances to do it against two of the top three teams. Not a, not a great schedule for Splice this week. Do you think that there's anything about the way Splice plays that gives them a better chance against Vitality than they have against this G2 team that we mentioned earlier? 
No, I, I think it's the opposite. It's that to beat Vitality, you need to have super, super early aggression like G2, and I just don't think Splice has it. Like I said, they try and get weighted out into the late game and, and try and get you that way with scaling with the Gangplank, which they won two games with, with Gangplank, but Vitality, that's their bread and butter. They want you to take them to this like macro late game rotational play. Like This game is probably a definite, you know, this game is probably a Cabo Shard on a split push, and they're just going to go, we know you don't know how to handle split push. Here you go, deal with it. Right. So I, I, again, it's like you said, this, this week is very, like, very awful in terms of the matchups. I, like I said, it's great that they all have implications, but the actual matchups are pretty, pretty poor uh, in terms of the level of competition. So for Splice to win, again, it's, uh, you know, Sankux and Wonderware are the two that they scale up and they just get a couple of good team fights that go in their way late game. And after 45 minutes, you win a team fight, you can win the game. Yeah, but th- that's really the problem. It's like, okay, sure, let's take Senkux and trust him to hard carry against Nukeduck. How often does that get pulled off? It's a concern, we'll say. I think that Nukeduck has very rarely played a game where he's caught out of position enough that someone could hard carry against him. I don't see the bot lane of Splice doing anything against Kazing, who is, at the very least, in the conversation for the best support in... Europe. I think he and Vander, it's a very interesting decision on who the best support is right now. With maybe Hybrid getting mad that I didn't mention his name right there. And by the way, isn't it kind of interesting that the three best teams have the three best supports in Europe? And when Fnatic was doing really well, they had Yellowstar, who was the best support in Europe. Kind of interesting. People don't think about it. Does matter. Um, I, I just don't see the path to victory here for Splice. Not at this point where their macro is so lacking. I think that even if they got a couple kills, even if Trashy did catch, you know, shook unaware and, and started counter jungling and, and doing something like that, I just don't see how they scale up well enough or quickly enough unless Vitality really screws the pooch on the drafting phase. So where do you think the line is for this, Walter? I have Vitality at minus 600. Okay, you and I split this one. We're tied 5-5 five to five with three games left, by the way. Just for the record. This is the closest we've been all season long. Good. <laughs> wow, okay. No, no holding back. I appreciate it. We're getting I down my, in the mud here. It's bare knuckle. I mean, I'm ahead 12-3 to three on the season. But yeah, sure. Uh, I said... <laughs> Shut up. I said uh, minus 600 as well. It is minus 500. Which to me, I feel like those lines should be reversed with the G2 lines. Interesting. Like, why is G2 minus 625 and Vitality minus 500 against Splice? I, is it just because... I, I think they should be equal, actually. that's why I had them both equal. I had them both minus 600 because I think G2 and Vitality are both equal. I don't know why there's such a disparity between Vitality and G2 other than that G2 beat Vitality last week. Yeah, I guess Vitality technically is, you know, one fewer win. I just, I, I don't know how much that loss factors into the algorithm here. It's not like Vitality has any really terrible losses outside of the Rocket one, and that was week one. So I don't think that really should be held against them, but we'll see what happens. Speaking of what happens, we're on to our fourth section, which, and I'm going to have to use my bleep for this, I have creatively titled... What the f*** happens to Unicorns of Love? Because honestly, they could be anything from the 4 seed to the 6 seed, depending on how they play this week. 
and how they handle G2 and H2K, their two matchups this week, has a very huge impact on who gets the one seed. A loss for either of these teams would be devastating as far as forcing them down into potentially the three seed, depending on how Vitality does. And if Unicorns of Love beat both of them, we could have a three-way tie for that one seed spot. So Unicorns have tons of power in their hands. Unfortunately, it hasn't looked great for them ever since Lulex came to the party. They're now one in three since that's happened. And Walter, before we get into the individual games, just really quick, like what happened to unicorns? Is it, is it as simple as the Lulex effect we went into last podcast or are there that, other things we can point to? Yeah, that, that that's exactly what happened. It was just their play style has shifted so drastically from having an aggressive early game jungler putting a ton of pressure onto opposing laners and opening up space for for their for the unicorn laners to farm and get kills and get some gold and cr- you know, control early objectives. Lolex is great at what he does, which is he peels and he you know, has some engages in the mid to late game. He puts down a lot of vision, but it just, their play style shifted so abruptly that I think it's really harmful. And even when they made the decision to go to Lolex, I didn't agree with it. I thought it was a bad idea. And it really kills me. Like physical pain in my chest that I should probably have a doctor look at. That what could this team have been if Diamond Prox had played all all year? Would we be oh, talking God. about four teams at the top? I, Which, yeah. Because I think we're that's absolutely you know, that, wasn't played. That that's me in a wistful. Oh my God, Diamond Prox was going to play amazing the entire year, but we just saw what they could do with this early game aggressive jungler, whether it was Diamond or Joker or Rudy, and then they go to Lolex, which like he was playing an NA challenger, and then didn't qualify for the challenger series. And was just sitting around, and then Unicorns was like, well, we don't want to play with Rudy anymore for whatever reason behind the scenes, so we're going to go with Lolex and change our entire style. I I would have bought Joko from Millennium at that point. I would have just, you know, 5.5 bleeping K, whatever. So I'm disappointed with where this team ended up, and hopefully, hopefully they figure something out for next split. Maybe having a full like off season to work with Lolex and kind of change their play style in general will work. But I, aggressive junglers are what's being successful right now across the board, and I think that's what Unicorns really needs. And that's the problem, right? Is that you can't look at signings in a vacuum. I've seen so many people on Reddit, and you know I don't mean to trash social media because God knows I've made my share of terrible predictions on social media as well. But there is this habit of looking at signings in a vacuum and it's like okay well they signed lulex and it's not going well so obviously lulex is terrible but that's not necessarily true there is a middle ground here which is that lulex might not be good for this team and at the end of the day you have to look about what does this unicorns of love team need and what they need is someone who can provide the hard engage that allows Steelback to be the guy that Steelback has been in the split, which has been one of the three best 80 carries in Europe, in my opinion. You need to allow Fox to take advantage of some of the opportunities that he has, which we haven't usually been able to say that about Fox, but there have been moments where he's been able to prove that he's a very serious threat. 
I just don't see how you do that when you have a jungler who is passive and who allows the enemy to scale and pick apart at some of Vizichachi's weaknesses, pick apart at some of Fox's weaknesses. It's just not where the meta is right now. And does that make Lulex a terrible player? No, he's not the worst jungler in, in Europe. It makes him the wrong jungler for this era of League of Legends. Maybe things change in the in the summer, who knows? But for now, I think there are serious concerns. And who knows? Maybe with the Sejuani buff 6.5, he looks better and playoffs get interesting. But right now, I don't have much faith in it. But you know what? I do have a lot of faith in, Walter. Vibby.com. Because Vibby is always there for all of the highlights that I'm looking for. Whether I am playing terribly in solo queue or having the games of my life, I can always just take the VODs from those games and make them into my own highlight packages so that everything looks like I kind of know what I'm doing. I mean, don't you love just being able to hide all of the terrible plays that you might make and make uh, make people believe that your gold jungle potential is seriously just a step away from the next level? It seems like a good plan, right? <laughs> I mean, it seems like a good plan, but there's only so many things you can do with one kick flash Lee Sin. So, I mean, yeah, Highland videos are great. And the fact that it's so easy to use, I mean, I have no video production experience and I'm even able to use the website and, and set up these highlight videos of my missed Sejuani ultimates. <laughs> well, the good news for both of us is we don't just have to use it for our own VODs. You can do it for any YouTube video, VODs of your favorite streamers. Just put in the timestamps. It'll immediately jump to those sections and you'll be able to create highlight videos for everyone to see. You can then share onto team pages, fan pages, interact with the community in that regard. It's a great community of people that are creating these things. So you should go to Vibby.com today, start making highlight videos of your own. Who knows? Maybe even you can make the Unicorns of Love Lulex era look like it was a good idea. Maybe. It would be really hard, but maybe someone has the talent on Vibby.com today to make that happen. And if you do make one of those Vibbies, come share it with us. We'd love to retweet it out to to everyone else on the pod and, and share what you guys were able to do. But now that we've gotten that out of the way, we do have to talk about the actual games here, which Unicorns of Love will try to make some highlights in. But I have a feeling it's going to be H2K in that opening day matchup that is desperately looking to secure that one seed and take these guys out. What does Unicorn have to do to keep out the H2K aggression? and utilize this new peel style effectively so that they can they can come away with a victory here. I think they just need to get it to like, you know, 40 45 minutes, try and keep it close and 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 that's going to be their win condition against both of these teams is just going to be stall out for the late game. Their players are good enough. They match up in terms of the talent of the players very well with both H2K and G2. It's just getting to where their strength lies in their jungler and that's going to be that sort of mid to late game and win that one team fight and end the game. I think H2K and G2 are both more aggressive in the early game with Yankos and Trick. And if they can survive, they'll have a chance at the end. But if they're down by like five to eight K and by the like 30 minute mark, it's going to be a hell of a battle to come back. Yeah. And that's the, the question for me is which of these two teams does unicorns of love have a better chance of beating. And I guess the answer would be G2 if I had to pick one. H2K, it just feels like they have enough of a sense of how they bounce off of each other that as long as they can keep it close heading into team fights, 
even if Unicorns of Love have a team fighting composition, I feel like H2K can deal with it and match pace and get the picks that they need to, to turn these things around. Whereas G2, you know, there's a reason that they have four MVPs in the last eight weeks. They've been dominant when they look really good. But when people throw them off their game, if you force G2 to play into that late game somehow, then Unicorns of Love have a chance. I don't feel great about either of these games. Let's do the H2K line first. Where do you think that line ends up? I have H2K at minus 200. Okay, I get this one. You went far too low. Mm. Uh, I said minus 320. It's minus 345. Uh, You might win this week then. Yep, because there's two games left, and now we get into G2 versus Unicorns of Love. I, I had the same G2 minus 200. Okay, I get this one, and with it, the week. So I improved to 13 and 3 overall. You kept it close. I appreciate it. You are certainly getting better with the high lines. I think the key is how do you evaluate this Unicorns of Love team? And Unicorn has looked at this, these, uh, these Unicorns of Love and found them lacking after these last couple mm. weeks. Minus 333 against G2. I had it at minus 300. So those are both, in, in my opinion, these are both smart money bets. Because yes. you could take Unicorns of Love plus 250 against H2K. And you can, uh, you can take Unicorns of Love plus 230 against G2. Mm-hmm. And one of those has a chance of coming through. This is our idea. If you take three incredible underdogs one of those comes through, you still make your profit. And the idea that Unicorns of Love go 0-2, it's in play. It's certainly possible. But it feels like the kind of thing where they sneak one that they shouldn't necessarily get away with. Because Europe is Europe and everybody beats everybody until Fanatic wins. Mm-hmm. Except, <laughs> except this split Fanatic is insert name of top three. So, so I have a question for you here. If G2 goes 2-0... Do we get a, a, a Young Buck MVP like we did last split with Daylor getting it at the end? No. And Yellow Star being the one who was screwed out of an MVP award? No. Does I the same thing happen? I don't think that happens. I think Daylor was very specific because that team got to 18-0. Uh, I think that 18-0 is a kind of accomplishment where you just look at how completely you needed to dominate your opponents. That means scouting every opponent perfectly, always having the counter, always having the team ready to go. I mean, 18 games, especially in, in nine weeks, people underestimate how hard it is to prep for best of ones in general. Hmm. It's, I hate best of ones. Like even just running scrims for Imperial, like I hate best of ones. They tell us nothing. And if I had to prepare to play a different team in best of ones every day, it would be exhausting. You've got to prepare for two of them every week. And the meta is constantly changing, but you don't get enough games to really get into a rhythm. So you're really just looking at a very small sample size and hoping you're making the most of it, or just borrowing from regions like Korea that have larger sample sizes. The whole thing is just is just silly. But and, but great but, for gamblers. But there is one best of one. There is the one best of one. The one best of one to rule them all. The one best of one. To determine which Fnatic roster is better. Is it Fnatic original? Or is it Diet Fnatic? Which one will reign supreme in the most important match of the week? Origin versus Fnatic. 
You know, the funny part is I'm not sure which one's diet fanatic and which one's <laughs> – like at this point, there are more fanatic members on Origin than there are on Fanatic. I think if they play with Peke, then Origin becomes like the, 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 like the real sugar fanatic. Mm-hmm. And Fnatic is like the new like redone formula that's like corn syrup and like Splenda. Is is that what we're kind of looking at? Where like everyone like was okay with it for a while, and then they brought back the original, and everybody was like, "Wait, I like real sugar, not like artificial sweetener." And now I'm confused. Which one do I like more? Well, here's my problem with that: is that Origin really should have lost a rocket. <laughs> like, so I'm if we're talking, if we're calling Origin the real deal. I'm not even like – okay, I am heartbroken. I'm not going to lie and pretend that I'm not because Rocket really needed that victory, and it was so close. It was seriously so close. So close though. But regardless, the fact of the matter is Origin never should have let it be that close. The fact that the only reason that they won that game is because a Fiora with four items can take down a four-armor Ramus build. Like it's nothing because percent max health is stupid. Like it just – what is Rockat supposed to do if it scales that late? But the question is, why did it scale that late? Why was Soas struggling so hard early against Freddy122 of all people? Why was X Peke the only guy not getting caught out of position and dying for no reason, despite the fact that X Peke literally hadn't played before this week? It makes no sense that Origin is this discombobulated. And... I don't see how that gets fixed against a Fnatic team that at the very least, since I am Katowice, seems to be putting some things together. They have the Fnatic comp now, which involves Jin and some sort of poke mid laner, and they're like, come at us. Come at us with our long-range team fighting potential and, you know, see if you can get through our front line. And the answer so far has been most people can't unless you happen to be Vitality. So I guess the question I have to you is, do you think that Origin has the strategic know-how to outplay Fnatic the way the Vitality did? I I don't know. I actually don't know. This this game is a toss-up to me. I don't know who wins because some of it ma- depends on which versions of the team show up and is Peke starting as opposed to Power of Evil, who was missing in action last, last week because of a, a health concern that actually sounded pretty serious. Um, I know when they originally announced he was playing, I kind of was joking about it, and it actually did sound sound pretty serious when you read the the like the press release and looked at their Twitter. So hopefully he's feeling much better. I, I have no clue. I have no clue who's going to win this game. I have no clue what the deciding factor is really going to be because both of these teams have been so like schizophrenic. They've been they've had such a high variance over the course of the season that we can't be sure what's going to show up. Sure, Fnatic can play this gin composition that they played at IEM. It's not going to catch anyone off guard. There's plenty of games now of them playing this champion and everyone's all of a sudden practiced it, so they sort of know how to play against it. I guess if I'm going to say what is the big factor, it's it's going to be Soaz. It's going to yeah. be which of the two most inconsistent players on both of these rosters are going to come out on, on top. Are we going to get a good game from Gamsu? Are we going to get a good game from Soaz? Are they both going to play terribly? Are they both going to play great? I, I think that's where it's going to come down to and, and what they do with those players and how they get those players into positions of their own strengths. Soaz with the split pushing and, and Gamsu more with team fighting and, and flank engages. 
But when it comes down to it, we're just in for one hell of a match. It's either going to be one of the best matches of the year, or it's going to be a complete clown fiesta because both bad teams show up. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. It is the only game of the week that I say I don't want to bet on because I actually want to enjoy it, and I don't want to have to have that hanging over my head. I do feel like whichever one wins this game could very easily be the one that loses the almost entirely meaningless game from the start of this podcast. And then <laughs> Unicorns of Love goes one and one. So then we have a three-way tiebreaker for the four seed, because of course. But otherwise, I mean, with so much on the line, you have to imagine that both teams will bring their best. And for me, what it comes down to is, I think that Fnatic is more likely to play to their strength right now than Origin is. Because Origin's strengths right now still involve Soaz not losing the early game super hard. And if you just ban Fiora, I don't know what he does. I don't know what their plan is at that point. Do they go back to Sven hard carrying? Is it weird that we haven't even really said Sven's name in this whole section of whether he or, you know, whether Origin or Fnatic are going to win this? It feels like Sven should matter more than he does, but he just hasn't recently. And. To me, that, I guess, is the biggest problem. He, he's fallen off a little bit since the beginning of the season where he was almost single-handedly trying to hard carry this team. Mm-hmm. He's still playing great. I, we didn't mention Reckless's name. We didn't mention Fabivan's name. I mentioned Reckless's name because I, well, I mentioned the whole mentioned Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, you're right. I think Reckless matters in a way that Sven just doesn't right now. Because I think with Origin, yeah, Sven does his job. He's not the reason they're losing, but he's not. he's also not able to carry these guys anymore. When Amazing keeps getting caught out, when Soaz keeps playing the early game as poorly as he does, Xpeke certainly isn't getting any outplays. He's not getting outplayed, but he's not caring in that way. At least with a Fnatic, you can point to things that can be quite successful. Fabivan, Reckless, Spirit, all of these guys have shown in the last couple of weeks an ability to hard carry. And for Fnatic, the loss condition is more what happens if Clyde just doesn't keep himself together, which... I don't know. I feel like the internet's being unnecessarily mean to Cly. He's had a couple bad games. He's had more good games than bad ones, especially if you look at IEM. Mm -hmm. But we're going to just ignore that and focus on the couple games where he gets caught out because he's a new player and that's what people want to do. And, well, wouldn't it be great if we got Yellowstar back? Like, I I get it, but let's not throw some other guy in the mud when he's a perfectly reasonable support. That's I, I think he's been him. fine. He's he's had yeah. some pretty good moments where I can see why they selected him. He has some yeah. some strengths and uh I mean I know it's yeah, calling him top five, moments, but yeah, I mean yeah, he's, I, he's played what, like eight, eight games professionally? Nine? I, I'm not even counting IAM. I you know, I don't think oh, he's yeah. played more than three or four weeks in the LCS, so I yeah. you gotta give him a chance and I, they're not winning this split. That's not what's gonna happen, but like you said earlier, just getting into the four spot and getting those circuit points is a huge help for if they want to make a world championship, which I'm sure Fnatic really wants to return and show that, yeah, we rebuilt a team two years in a row, went back to back to back world championships, not yeah. winning but to the championship, you know, to the actual event itself. So. No, Fnatic is an organization with a ton of pride. And so is Origin, by the way. If you don't think Xpeke wants to make sure that Origin performs to the best of their capability, then you haven't been paying much attention to Xpeke's career. Where do you think the line is on this? Like I said, I think this game is basically a coin flip. I have Fnatic at minus 150. Okay, you got this. Good. I said minus 170. It is minus 156. 
that's completely fair. Yeah. No, I think that's entirely reasonable. It's why it's a stay away. There's no value. Just enjoy the game. Don't do that to yourself. But, you know, you could just follow our smart money bets in general. Last week we went two and one. We ended up we took... I apologize for the one loss. What? For Rocket over Origin? So I tweeted out on social media, I made a mistake. This is the number one mistake that gamblers can make. Mm. And I got a little too giddy during that game. And I couldn't remember if we, we chose them as a smart money bet. And I opened up my spreadsheet when they were like crushing it and saw that we picked them. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then they lost. And I felt like total shit. So yeah. if you gambled on Rocket, if you're a Rocket fan, I take full punishment for that. That was my fault. I forgot I you did that. gambling mistake. So yeah. I apologize. Don't do it. Once you make your bets, don't look at your ticket until the games are completely over. Don't even think about it. Because yeah. I thought about that for the Dignitas game against Immortals. Because I remember we had a discussion on the podcast going... I think we gambled on. I think I convinced him to gamble on Dignitas this game, and that was when they started throwing. Yeah, no. And what? then I felt better when I looked at it, and we didn't. So yeah, not that our bets. Well, we'll talk about North America on Friday. But the bets we did get in Europe, we had Elements plus two forty over Unicorns of Love. We had Vitality minus one forty three over Fnatic. So overall, we are fourteen and ten. And if you've bet a hundred dollars on every bet we've recommended so far. You'd have eight hundred ninety-seven more dollars than you started with. How about that for a podcast? Free money, folks. Free money. And this, we are gambling experts. Yeah, it says so on Twitter, so it can't be wrong. But the best part about it is this means that we can have some fun here. We can take unicorns of love against H2K and G2 and hope one of those comes through. But we need one more. I, I want to go big. You want to go big? Okay. I want to go big. I. I want to go big, and you can tell me which one is one is more likely. I'm thinking the two big lines. Elements over H2K, Rocket over Vitality. You're in the money here. I'm mean, in the money already. Ah, here's the thing. If we're going to take... Man, this is so tough. I have no Unless faith. you have a better... If you actually have a safer, better one, like, I'd well, be willing well, to Well, I was just going to say, like, it would be the most rock-ass thing in the world to throw the game against Giants. I know. But there's no money in that. <laughs> I mean, plus 135 for Giants. There's no money. It's literally there's some no money. money. No, it pays off way they one lose. of the two losses to Unicorns of Love that will surely happen. The only way they lose to Giants is if they beat Vitality. Okay, fine. Then we'll take Rock-Ass plus 490 over Vitality. Because that way, when I lose, I'll feel double bad about it. It'll be brilliant. That's I, I, I'm just saying, you know what? There are so many terrible, terrible odds this week. Okay, I know you said you don't want to gamble it. Do you feel better about Origin over Fnatic? I mean, technically. But I, like, it's, like Rocket is not a good team. Like we, here's the thing. We're going to keep it close enough that I'm going to feel like this bet is relevant. <laughs> and then something terrible is going to happen. You're right. And I'm going to say to myself, right. why did I bet on this game? Why do I root for this team? I, true story. I had my support. I was watching all the games from Europe yesterday because I rewatched all of them to make sure I was ready for this podcast and to do some analysis on, on some pick band that I really liked. And our support looked over at me. And he said, what, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a Rocket fan. So this is really frustrating to watch. It's not better the second time around. And he says, 
why would you do that to yourself? That was the direct quote from my own player <laughs> on me being a Rocket fan. And at this point, my answer was, I don't know. Like, that's just, that's where I am. Hopefully you guys at home are in a better place. You've made better life decisions. You already made a good life decision by listening to this podcast. If you want to continue to make good life decisions, you should subscribe on soundcloud.com uh, slash esports rough drafts or search rough drafts on the podcast section on iTunes and subscribe on there. You leave us a review, you know, give us some stars or whatever else. That also helps us out quite a bit. So we'd really appreciate that. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at RedshirtKing. I will do my best to try to tweet more this week than I did last week. Uh, and Walter, where can they find you in your work? Well, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at SlingshotEsports.com. And before we go, I want to give a shout out to our good friend, Tim Sevenhusen. Mm. He just published an article while we were recording this. Okay. Ranking all 10 NA LCS mid laners and basically calling me an idiot for wanting to get rid of Bjergsen. He has Bjergsen number three on his list, but the person at number two will probably surprise you. Okay, thanks, BuzzFeed. Appreciate that. I, I gotta give the I gotta give him the clickbait. Number two is gonna surprise you, actually. Look, you can guess, and I'll tell you off air. Fr- friend of the podcast, Tim Magic Seven Years, and always read his stuff and read a lot of things over at unicorn.com/slash/community. I post all the podcasts on there. They are proud sponsors of this podcast. Uh, we love working with them. We love you know having all these lines to talk about and all the prop bets that come along with it that we don't even get to on this show. So be sure to use them and be sure to come back on Friday when we'll do the same thing for North America, breaking down all of those games. And until then, goodbye, Internet.